Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week, we talk about 1977's Star Wars, Episode 4, A New Hope. With Joe... I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. And JC. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes, or given you clairvoyance enough to find the Rebels' hidden fortress. Uh, enemy center control, situation normal. What happened? Uh, it's like weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the, I'm going to give you the moniker of Obi-Wan today, Obi-Wan Kenobi to my Darth Vader. JC, how are you? I don't know. I think Darth Vader may fit me better right now. Oh, How are you doing? <laughs> well, as the Imperial, I guess I'm Darth Vader, right? I guess so. Yes. Did you have a good week off? It was good. Yeah. Joel? Hello. You are the Luke Skywalker here as we, as we try to grab you and turn you to the light side or the dark side here. You're in the middle. I am in the middle. So, Joel, are you okay with that? I'm okay with it. The pull. I feel like it's... I'm just... Yeah. I'm okay with it. Even Steven. <laughs> you ready to uh, go to a galaxy far, far away? We are. All right. Now, do you have your fourth, your fourth I commentator's do. comments I, ready? I do. I do. So, so Patrick is going to be our fourth commentator. He sent me a whole <laughs> list of questions. Some of them are really good. Um, and he titled it A Creepy Point of View uh, <laughs> because his gamer tag is creepy. And so I just think that I thought that was pretty funny. So shout out to Patrick for that. Um, so as we go through, I will try to make sure I bring up his questions. Patrick, do not yell at me on Xbox later if I fucking forgot a question because I'm trying to go back and forth between two things, and it's very hard for me to concentrate on two things at the same time. So that disclaimer out. There we go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> no, my father didn't fight in the wars. He was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals, thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. I wish I'd known him. He was the best star pilot in the galaxy. And a cunning warrior. I understand you've become quite a good pilot yourself. And he was a good friend. Which reminds me, I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? It's your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. 
For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. This week, we are discussing the fourth installment of the Star Wars saga, 1977's Star Wars A New Hope. Written, kinda, and directed by George Lucas. Starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin, Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Kenny Baker as R2-D2, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, David Prowse as the Darth Vader nobody remembers, and James Earl Jones as Darth Vader everyone remembers. Trivia time was made for $11 million. Wow. Earned $775 million worldwide. Awesome. It's just, it's ridiculous. And they didn't, and to think that he had to shop this around. Yeah. But back then, that makes sense to me. Uh, It won six Academy Awards for Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Original Score, Best Sound, and Best Visual Effects. It was nominated for Best Supporting Actor with Alec Guinness and Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, and Best Picture, all of which lost to Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Which is a movie. Shameful. Yeah, Annie Hall is not a good movie. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, George Lucas was so sure the film would flop that instead of attending the premiere, he went on holiday to Hawaii with his good friend Steven Spielberg, where they came up with the idea for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. Working vacation. Uh, in early drafts of the script, R2-D2 could speak standard English, and he had a rather foul vocabulary. All of Oh, I always... It's why r is my favorite. <laughs> I'm that. convinced that 90% of his beeps are actual curse words. Although all of R2's English speech was removed, many of C-3PO's reactions were still left in. Yeah. So it makes sense how he reacts to those beeps, because it's like, you must have said something really awful. <laughs> yeah. The skeleton that C-3PO passes belongs to a tattooing creature called a greater crate dragon. This artificial skeleton was left in the Tunisian desert after filming and still lies there. Wow, it hasn't been covered over yet. During filming of Attack of the Clones, the site was visited by the crew once more, and the skeleton was still there. That's cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, While George Lucas was filming on location in Tunisia, the Libyan government became worried about a massive military vehicle parked near the Libyan border. Consequently, the Tunisian government, receiving threats of military mobilization, politely asked Lucas to move his Jawa sand crawler farther away from the border. There you go. And when you look at the thing, it does look menacing. It is massive, yeah. (laughs) Uh, due to the limited budget, the American cast members and crew all decided to fly coach class to England rather than first class. When Carrie Fisher's mother, Debbie Reynolds, heard about this, she called Lucas complaining about how insulting it was for her daughter to be flying coach. Fisher was in the room with Lucas when he took the call and after a few minutes asked if she could talk to her mother. When Lucas handed her the phone, she simply said, Mother, I want to fly coach. Will you fuck off? And hung up. <laughs> nice. Carrie Fisher's stories are amazing. I love Carrie Fisher's stories. <laughs> Uh, let's see. When 20th Century Fox attempted to distribute the film in the U.S., fewer than 40 theaters agreed to show it. As a solution, Fox threatened any cinema that refused to show Star Wars would not be given the rights to screen the potential blockbuster The Other Side of Midnight, which ended up grossing less than 10% of what Star Wars did. I was going to say, I've never even heard of that movie. In the original draft, Luke made a failed Death Star Trench bombing attempt before making his shot that ultimately destroyed the station. While all footage of the first Trench run was eliminated from the first or the final movie, one line that referenced the first run remained. They're coming much faster this time. Uh, this is the first science fiction film to be nominated for a Best Picture Academy Award. And uh, all the dialogue by Aunt Beru was dubbed. Huh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman that apparently had a very thick English accent, and you couldn't hear it, 
So they said, well, let's bring some American in to do it. And they did it that way. While a guest on the NPR quiz show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, in 2009, Carrie Fisher was asked to tell a juicy story about Alec Guinness. And her response was, Alec Guinness once gave Mark Hamill 20 pounds to go away. Hamill was asking Alec all these questions about his career, and it became annoying. <laughs> I want to I know. I know he hated filming it while he was filming it. Did Alec Guinness ever come around and like Star Wars, or did he die always hating Star Wars? Um, I think he came around to the idea that... Uh, I don't think it's... He said something like it wasn't the way he wanted his career to end. Yeah. Uh, but it's a hell of a bang to go out on. Yeah. I mean, history, one of the best movies to have for your final career but i know he and coming from the background he did he didn't get all the science fiction stuff he hated the dialogue because it was nonsense words to him him and things like this yeah yeah <clears throat> okay here we go ready for a synopsis or do you guys want to talk about your first time seeing this I, we can yeah what was your first time seeing this you guys remember it all <clears throat> I, I, do, I do yeah you do uh, well, I remember my oldest. I can't say it was the first time, but the oldest time I remember seeing it, it was only the fourth one. For the longest time, I did not know there was a trilogy until I went and watched the old VHS set uh, that my best friend had, and they were the black cover with the yellow lettering. Yeah. So yeah, it was yeah. the original 1970s or 1980s box set. But my copy was one that my parents clearly had recorded off of the TV. And so it was in a vinyl case, and you like slid it out. It had like little indents where you grab the VHS cassette and pop it in. And I apparently watched that film so much to this day. Mm-hmm. When I am watching episode four, I remember where all the commercial breaks are because it'll stop, and I remember what the commercial was supposed to be, and I'll start singing the jingle or remembering the McDonald's or the old Mercedes-Benz commercial or whatever it was. And when I was watching it this morning, just to repeat, when the sand crawler is driving off, it's that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And as soon as they did the dun-dun-dun, it cut to commercial, and it was for a brand-new caravan. And I remember the caravan commercial. And when that dun- when it does that dun-dun-dun, and then you just get silence, and the thing just keeps going, I'm like, this is where the commercial's supposed to be. Like, And it fucks with my head all the time. It, I'm 30 years old or 33 years old, and I saw that back when I was a kid. And still to this day, I remember where all of the different commercials are supposed to be the one after the trash heap yeah there's one always after when he gives the final place where they are and it cuts off and it goes on the next exactly and so i remember that and uh, clearly i liked it because this was the movie that my mother said you are going to wear it out uh because i would literally watch it i would watch the whole thing Mm -hmm. and my mother said i would rewind it and watch it right again she's like i don't understand how you do this and I would just watch it on loop with yeah. my little VHS recorder and this little tiny TV, and I would sit right up close to it, and I would just watch it over and over and over again. Yeah, for me, it was, I, I mean, I've, I can't remember the first time I saw it realistically. I, I mean, I've, my mom has told me when it was, but I, I was too young to remember at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can only imagine how I must have looked watching this movie and... It's shaping a big portion of how I view movies now. Yeah, it does, too. And the sad thing is, is I wish I could ask my mom. My mom tells me I watched it over and over, but I don't Mm -hmm. think I could ask her, hey, mom, what did did I look like? How did I react to this? And I'm like, 
Because I guarantee my mom didn't sit and watch it with me. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was one of those things, okay, he's good. He's he's being entertained. I can go get housework done. Yeah. Or I can go get this clean or do that. And I just sat, and I think Star Wars was my thing because my brother didn't watch it. My sister didn't watch it. My father didn't watch it. Nobody else watched it. Right. I honestly think that was one of those things where whoever recorded it recorded it for me or they recorded it because it was Star Wars and... I watched it, and that video cassette became mine. Like it stayed in my room. <laughs> I kept it in my drawer at my desk, and I would watch it. And then sometimes people would be like, "Hey, do you want to watch Star Wars?" I'm like, "Yes, I want to watch Star Wars," and they would always leave. Like my brother <laughs> would get bored, and he would go do something else. My sister would be reading the whole time. My dad would be working and not watching the movie. Yeah. I mean, my mom would sit and watch with me, but mm-hmm. I was the one that was constantly just watching that movie on loop. Yeah, yo, I had. I had that gold uh, special edition box set. Okay. Oh, so I, I, got, I, I got that for Christmas in 95. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's that's my first memory. And so I would <laughs> I would sit there watching them, pulling the, the helmet off, and then pushing it back in to make the farting noise when a box gets shut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just pull it out and go, <laughs> and just watch the movie. <laughs> because the, I was entire, a child. the entire time. <laughs> No, Sad I, thing is, is I probably did that too. I'm sure I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I remember I remember watching those and Indiana Jones because we had those two box sets. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember the first time I watched it because yeah, the I can't. Moment, I can't remember the first time either. Because the moment I saw Return of the Jedi, that's the only one I would watch. Yeah. I yeah. and I completely agree. I remember Empire scared me. I didn't want to watch Empire. I watched it like one or two times as a kid, and I knew what happened. But I watched episode four for forever and ever and ever until I realized there was more. And when I realized there was more, I never watched episode four again. I only watched Jedi. Yeah, I would watch Jedi over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to watch Star Wars, it was Return of the Jedi. Mm. Okay. Were you excited about watching this this time? I'm always, I'm always happy to see this movie. I, I like seeing it. It's one of those things where now I watch it because I want to see how much can I remember from being a kid. Do you this, sit there and you mouth the lines as you're doing it? Because I do that sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. But, but it's one of those things where, and especially since doing this podcast, I think I've seen episode four maybe two times since we started this podcast, mm-hmm. and I have tried consciously when I'm watching this movie, okay, don't criticize it. Don't, don't think too much about it. There's a reason you enjoyed it. There's a reason you love it and try to grab onto that. And so I do. Like, I will try to watch it and I'll feel myself starting to go, oh, man, that's no, <laughs> don't do that. You're falling into a trap. <laughs> and, I, and I will be like, no, do you remember you thought that was so funny as a kid and you need to keep laughing at that because that was funny when you were a kid. So <laughs> I just when I watch this, it's more like, no, you have to remember how this made you feel when you were seven. You're seven-year-old JC when you watch this movie. You are not thirty-three-year-old JC when you watch this movie. It's a trap. <laughs> I always thought in in my childish mind, I thought that A New Hope was the boring one. I thought that New Hope was the boring one. Empire Strikes Strikes Back was the serious one, the scary one, and Return of the, the Jedi was the, the awesome one. Awesome, fun. You got all the fun characters. But I was excited to watch this, especially after listening to you all, just sitting around listening to you talk about the second trilogy, episodes one through three, because I didn't realize how little I knew about the storyline. Mm-hmm. I went in with a childish mind because I was a kid. Which is what they're supposed to be, yeah. And I would watch it for just the different scenes and the colors and the characters and the aliens. 
And so I never put everything together before until watching them now. And so I don't know the last time that I'd seen episode four before, uh, I guess, this week. And so I was very excited to watch it and see it through adult eyes and yeah. with actual background knowledge of where everyone came from and what the story and history was. I, I will be honest. When I try to watch it, though, like, and that's something I was thinking, I did think throughout this whole film is, do I watch this film as if it was the first one for me? Because when I watch it as if it was the first one for me, it is amazing. I cannot find a fucking thing wrong with this with this movie if it's the one I'm starting with. Yeah. If you start with one through three and then you watch this, there's so much that you can pick at. There's so much that you're like, well, what do you mean you don't know that's going on? How, how do you? And so like when people talk about what order they're going to watch them in, you ruin four if you watch one through three first. If you watch four, five, six, one, two, three, four is still a great movie. But if you watch one, two, three, and then you watch four, you're like, what? How, how did that get made? Like, that doesn't make sense. You can be very, very nitpicky to try to continue, like you were saying, that story. If you try to do that, you will tear episode four apart. I almost wonder, because... There's got to be a way to watch those movies one through six and have four still hold up by eliminating certain scenes or certain bits of dialogue. And I kind of wonder when Lucas did one, two, and three, he had not, he was like, these are the movies that I want to make. And he knew what four was going to be because he had it and it was yeah. right there. Why, when he did the special editions, he didn't say, okay, uh, I'm going to modify this scene or change this bit right here. Because uh, three had because three hadn't been made yet, he he released the special yeah. editions in ninety five. That's right, and the prequels weren't until ninety nine. So the better question is when he did the remake in two thousand four. Right, why did he, he do it then? Why doesn't he change it then? Why in two thousand four don't you fix four for more continuity? If if Lucas genuinely wants it to be watched one through six, which is what I would assume, because why he made it. Four needs fixed. Yeah. It's the one four, that needs fixed, four, I think. Four needs to be cleaned up. There's one moment in if, Empire that needs fixed, and that's it. If you watch them four through six and then one through three, you don't need to touch four. Four, yeah. four is okay. This, uh, I mean, and you're right. When you watch it four, five, six, one, two, three, four is so far removed at that point from three yeah. that you forget a lot of the tiny little things that would have bugged you. Exactly. But so. when you watch three last week, mm -hmm. and now you're this week you're watching four, you're like, Wait, it's only been like 19 years. Like, <laughs> not that much should have changed in 19 years. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> An opening title card reads, A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Dot, dot, dot. And every child goes, When is it coming? When is it coming? And every single time, this logo scares the shit out of you if your sound is way too far up. <laughs> <laughs> It is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, Rebel spies manage to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. I try to do that the way they do in Clone Wars when they do that opening. Yeah. Uh... Is this really their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire? Now that we have Rebels, the TV show? No, it's not. Yeah. There's already a problem. Unless it's first major victory or something like that. I don't know. 
Okay. A small blockade runner, the Tanta Four, is being pursued by a mammoth Imperial Star Destroyer, the Devastator. Inside, protocol droid C-3PO and utility droid R2-D2 are tossed about as their ship endures a barrage of laser bolts, and 3PO concludes that escaping capture will be impossible. The rebel ship gets caught in the tractor beam and pulled into the Star Destroyer. Stormtroopers blow open a door and board the rebel ship, killing all they can. Yeah. I love the opening. I love that the opening, you see metal people first, which is another reason why, which is why I love starting with four. You don't see a human character. The very first thing you see is those two. Yeah. And those two have been iconic for me ever since. The fact that they are the first people to speak in this universe ever Mm -hmm. is pretty awesome to me. Yeah. Well, it is their story. I mean, some have, some have said that this is this is the, the story, story of C three PO and R two D two. Yes, yeah. It's an interesting opening too, because right afterwards the smoke clears and Darth dun, Vader dun, dun, enters dun. the hallway, Ooh. and he's a badass the minute you see him. This, yeah, this is kind of like. And I remember at one point you mentioned you were like, "I want to see Vader at his most badass." I mean, he looked badass. He wasn't like no, but this is like I don't even have to fight. They'll fight for me. I'm just going to walk in and make an entrance. Oh, yeah, clearly this guy is not to be fucked with, no. but you don't see him powerful. You just see him as like, okay, everybody's... I remember as a kid, I did not think Vader was powerful. I remember as a kid thinking, everybody's scared of this dude, and they should be. He's scary looking. Yeah. Like, everybody yeah. should be scared of him because of how he looks. Darth Vader enters the hallway and briefly surveys the damage before interrogating the ship's captain, who claims the ship is on a diplomatic mission to the planet, Alderaan. If this is a consular ship, then where Where is is the the ambassador? ambassador? Vader perceives that he is lying and kills him by snapping his neck and throwing him against the wall. Upon learning that the plans were not downloaded into into the ship's computer, he tells the troops to search the entire ship and to bring all the passengers to him alive. So now we do see the strength of Vader. He's lifted a guy off his feet with one arm. Yeah. (laughs) A robotic one at that. Which we don't know that yet. We don't know. Well, we, we don't know it's a human underneath. It's true. We don't. And... You know, so far the first two we saw were droids. Here comes another guy, and this one's all black. So and that's true. Maybe they're maybe the evil people are run by droids. Uh, we, <laughs> we 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 have our we have our first question from Patrick. He he threw out there. How many times has the has the princess escaped? So that's his first question. With this whole scene is because clearly they are pissed at the princess. Yeah, they are angry and they are ready to, to to rip her open. So he just threw the like. How many times has she escaped? Well, we know she's escaped a couple times on rebels. Once, one time, yeah, when they were doing yeah. the weapons depot thing. At but the but the way they made that seem, she her ships were stolen. Yeah, she didn't escape. So he brings up a good point. There's a lot of animosity towards this princess, mm-hmm. and we have no idea why. Yeah. Like, dude, you're pissed at her. Mm-hmm. And she scorned you when you asked her for a kiss or something? What the hell? <laughs> I do like I Dad, mean, Daddy want a kiss. <laughs> I mean I mean the vents would be hard to like get the tongue through, but all right, man. I do like that they introduced Leia as someone that is not your a damsel princess. in distress. Yeah, that she is someone that is independent. She's on her own, and she doesn't take like she's not just going to be passive about everything. Yeah, and that's I think that's very cool, especially for 1977. Yep. Hmm. Uh. Yeah. It's uh, and she also she's scared of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody else is fearing Vader, and she just walks up and is like, "This is what I'm doing," you know, and get off my fucking ship. <laughs> Kids are resilient. <laughs> Art. Hold up. Oh. Now we're going to get into theoretical. Ooh, okay. 
How does he not, through the force, feel that she has a connection to him? Well, I don't know. I have because because I've heard the excuse he has so much hate and he is close. I'm like he is a force user. He uses his ability to read the force so he can instill fear in everyone, which means Vader is constantly trying to figure out what people are thinking. And so if he is reaching into their soul, if he is reaching into their inner being and feeling their life force through the force, how the fuck does he not recognize, wait, there is something familiar about her to me? Yeah, that's what I don't understand. And I don't know if it's coming something that you just got to focus if you have the force like on certain things because if he thinks that his child is dead cuz he didn't know he's going to have twins. You're right. You're right. Supposedly. That's another thing we can contend about is like yeah. how do you not know he's a fucking Jedi? Yeah. Uh, but if he wasn't if he assumes that his child is dead and his wife is dead uh after so many years uh and he meets up with this woman, he's not looking to see who she is. So maybe it's a focus thing, but he's yeah. I don't want to defend it because I think it's wrong. No, and then people say like it's because of focus. I'm like, no, this is a continuity thing that I think is a problem, and it's unfortunately a pretty glaring one. Yeah, I don't like this. (laughs) What were you gonna say, Joel? I don't. I'm trying to figure out how to put it into words because he he feels something later, and it's when Obi Wan is near. Yeah, and we'll get to that. But maybe it's because I have not felt since Squirrel. He turns into the dog from Up. <laughs> Squirrel. But maybe it's not just Obi-Wan when he feels that. Maybe it's realizing that it's Obi-Wan and both children all in one place at once. And maybe that's what takes it over the top and to where he's like, oh, this can't be ignored. But then if he's feeling Obi-Wan, and I'm, uh, you guys don't have the answer, so I love how no, I'm asking you guys. Well, we can talk about it. That's you the don't know either. But I, I wish that somebody from the story group or Pablo Hidalgo or somebody would come out and say, yeah, we need to fix that, or this is our explanation. Like, this is what happened. And maybe we'll learn it in Rogue One. Could be. Maybe we'll find out that something happened to dampen his ability to, to sense things with the Force yeah. or something. But the fact that he is face-to-face with his daughter mm-hmm. and later face-to-face with his son and doesn't fucking realize it is, as a father, mm-hmm. twisted and doesn't make sense. But also, he's a fucking powerful Force user. He reads people's minds all the time to instill to instill fear. Yeah, the, I I don't get it. The other thing is that you know we know from the card in front she's Princess Leia. Yeah, but she's never referred to as Leia in that scene. No, and I think as an audience member, you watch this one, two, three, four, five, six. We are now we have all the information, and now yep. we're just watching the drama unfold. And we know who he is. We know that his children survived, but we don't know if this is the same Leia or not, because we don't have a, a sense of time yet. Uh, so in that regard, I mean, I'm going to try to play the whole like play dumb thing here, but it's, it's one of those things where I think that this is now a new reveal based on the one, two and three in succession. You know, the big reveals before were uh, Darth Vader being Luke's father and then finding Luke finding out that Leia was a sister. But now there's like brand new ones based on what the prequels are. Uh, and maybe this is like he. We does she know? Does he know? Why is he? Why isn't he? Be, why isn't he choking her out? Maybe he does know. Who yeah. knows? I don't know. Uh, okay, so R two meets up with uh, Princess Leia, who loads in with the stolen plans and records a holographic message for the small droid to take to the planet's surface. 
R2 and C-3PO get away from the ship aboard an escape pod and go to the planet below. Imperial troops choose not to destroy the pod since their scans detect no living organism on board and presume it ejected due to a malfunction, which makes them fucking incompetent. Yeah, uh, that's another thing. I'm like, <laughs> so then just blow it out of the out of the sky. If the just plants are technical, it would it be something that's not alive in there? <laughs> that, that, that scene bothers me. That's That's a MacGuffin that I'm like, Okay. And I'm pretty sure they did a Family Guy part of that in Blue Harvest or whatever it was. Yeah. Which part? Sorry. Oh, get off your phone. No. <laughs> no, I'm I'm back here trying to figure out like when cuz does he in episode 3? Yeah. He never hears his kid's name, does he? No, he doesn't. No, okay. he doesn't. That's that's what I've been trying to figure out. Yeah, no, no, he No, he doesn't. He's not present for that. And, and I'm not saying he should know who his kids are. I'm saying he feels his kids through the force. Like, there is there a life force connection that, like, oh, okay, your force is similar to mine because Jedi can feel each other. We hear all the time, oh, I sense Yoda's presence. Mm-hmm. Oh, I sense Obi. So obviously, they can differentiate people. So why does he not feel? Also, why does he just not feel like, holy, f- she has a lot of midichlorians in her? <laughs> <laughs> yes. How can we never hear about those again? <laughs> moments later the princess is stunned by imperial troops and taken to vader he tells her that the rebels have stolen some secret imperial plans and transmitted them to her ship she plays dumb and protests to vader that she is a member of the imperial senate on a diplomatic mission to the planet alderaan you are part of the rebel alliance and a traitor <laughs> take away it's one of the best lines it's awesome <laughs> but vader doesn't believe her and orders her taken away vader's aide insists that holding her captive is dangerous news of her captivity would generate sympathy for the rebellion against the empire Vader instructs his aide to deceive the Senate and permanently erase any trace of Leia's whereabouts by faking her death. Upon being notified by another officer that an empty escape pod was jettisoned during the firefight, so somebody's doing their fucking job, he concludes that the princess hid the stolen plans in the pod. What I don't get is how come Vader's the only one that concludes this? Because, <laughs> and here's the other sad thing is these actors playing the Imperial officers make it seem like they don't have a fucking clue what's going on. Yeah. When you watch the Imperial officers and rebels, it's like, okay, they are not incompetent. They're supposed to be the best and the brightest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, episode, that's that's why the continuity between rebels and all of this stuff, there's some issues here. They're doing their best to tie all this up. I, I get that. I but get it's that. just not working. No, it's not. Which almost makes you wonder, like, some of this shit, does it need to be redubbed or reshot or I don't know. Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, all of Vader's lines could be redubbed. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, James Earl Jones is still alive. Yep. And if he just changes a couple of those lines, it's it could work. Yep, it would be better. Yeah. Two two things yeah. to answer the two questions. I don't, the, the reason in my mind maybe that people didn't catch that sooner, when you have a boss that will physically harm you or kill you, at that point when that anxiety, I guess, gets to that level, you're more worried about not messing up instead of doing well. That's yeah, true. as long as they're doing enough not to get murdered mm-hmm. in front of their colleagues, I'm yeah. sure that's the only thing on their mind. Because he is terrifying. Well, yeah. he did wipe out all the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and on the other side of maybe continuity and like the Mitochondrians, all that, they didn't think they couldn't get anyone to buy this movie, let alone think it was going to be a trilogy. Yeah, that's true. So they were probably like, "We just need to do enough. Like, we're not going to fill them with a lot of." extra information because we don't know if anyone's even going to see this movie and i I get that and i give the original 77 a pass i get that he's made remake after remake after remake okay 
that's my issue is with all of the remakes that you've made with all of the new additions that you've done how the fuck have you not fixed some of this shit yet okay. yeah and if there's a reason that you are not fixing it tell us just tell us we're yeah. we're 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 always looking for new star wars and new behind the scenes shit so if there's a reason why like say i don't want to redo this because i don't want to taint what alec guinness did you know what fine i'm okay with that if you're not going to change it because you want to keep it the original thing, just tell me that, and I will stop bitching about the continuity and all that. Yeah. It's just when you constantly are making new editions of things, it seems like a bit of a hypocritical thing then. Especially when, if he, if he made this movie, how come the next two movies don't address some of these issues? Yeah. I mean, that's what I don't get. You could have worked around this. You could, this could have been the nucleus, and instead it was almost like he abandoned it because he, he was like, now nah, I can do what I want to do. Yeah. C-3PO and R2-D2 land on the desert planet. R2 mentions a mission to deliver some plans, but C-3PO is a pussy and wants to find safe shelter. Classic. The two split up, and both are eventually captured by a group of scavengers called Jawas. The Jawas are junk traders. Meanwhile, a unit of Imperial... Hold up. Nope, oh. I got to do oh. another Patrick thing. Oh, go for it. So Patrick throws in the question, why do the Jawas have to hide from and then ambush an R2 unit? Well, maybe they were hiding in that area for something else. Maybe a crate dragon. And that showed up. Well, he said, can't they just roll out and take out a solo droid? What we've learned from Clone Wars yeah. and what we've learned from Episode 3, R2-D2 is pretty badass. Yeah, he and can... if these guys are junk traders, I'm sure R2 is not the only one with the electric shock thingy or the rocket boots or yeah. and all of this. So I almost wonder, they probably backed off because they've been cut by an R2-D2 or uh, Astromech in the past. Yeah, probably. So that's one of those instances where I think, Patrick, I think they hid because, dude, you don't fuck with an R2, man. No, don't you Don't fuck with the mech. <laughs> <laughs> do not fuck with the mech. <laughs> A unit of Imperial Sand Troopers find the crashed pod and discover some droid pot. Droid pots? Droid pots. Sorry. Parts. Droid parts. My bad. Found anything yet? We ain't found shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the Jawas travel to the home. I love how he picks up the. He picks up and he goes, "Look, sir, droids. droids. It's one." The Jawas travel to the homestead of Owen Lars, a moisture farmer. The farmer purchases C three PO for his translation skills, as he is fluent in six million forms of communication. But initially decides to buy a cheaper utility droid R five D four, which breaks down almost immediately after purchase. Uh, Owen Lars is a dick. Yeah, really. He is a prick in this. <laughs> Just, do you speak bocce? I know he goes, I assume you are used for protocol. Uh, yes, sir, I am. I have no use for you. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so, yeah, the R5 breaks down immediately. C-3PO suggests to Luke, Owen's nephew, that R2-D2 is the droid to have, and the Jawas readily sell it to the Lars family. Now, have you heard the rumor that R2-D2 beeped something to R5-D4 to sacrifice himself? I have, and where he's secretly like, yeah. And then made it, yeah, I've seen that, and I think it's hilarious. I, I mean, hope it, I hope it actually happened. <laughs> well, a, if they have some of the original dubs from R2-D2, maybe. <laughs> maybe could be. Exists. Yeah. I would, maybe Kenny Baker was saying those things. Oh, I did notice something about the R2-D2 when they were on the Millennium Falcon. And that is, at one point, his dome goes up about four inches and down on accident. Yeah. Really? I'd never noticed that before. And I was like, Owen tells his nephew Luke to clean them up and put them to work. Everyone in the audience starts to put together that Luke is Anakin and Padme's son because they remember the last scene in episode three. Wait, 
That means that Leia could be the other child of theirs. That was hidden. I wonder if that might complicate things later in the movie. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, during the cleanup, Luke stumbles across a short clip of the message stored in R2 by Princess Leia. She's beautiful. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> She's beautiful. It, it really is a different movie. Watching it, and when you see it the first time, you're like, and then once you've seen all of them and you're watching it through again, mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to fear Darth Vader in this one because I hated Christensen. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm, I, I cannot convince myself to be afraid of Hayden Christensen in a suit. <laughs> but when I set myself aside, I'm like, oh, this, this guy is terrifying. But I'm like, no, this is the whiny kid from wherever he was from. And watching it, even the where he does the, we'll, we'll get that later, the grappling hook. Yeah. It's like, good luck. <laughs> I'm like, ah, got him. <laughs> <laughs> the message is for someone named Obi-Wan Kenobi, who we know. Yeah, clearly. We know now. And is a desperate plea for help. R2 insists that the message is simply a malfunction, but Luke insists on hearing the complete message. Intrigued by Leia's beauty. R2 then states that if Luke removes his restraining bolt, he might be able to play the rest of the message. Luke removes the bolt, and R2 doesn't play the damn thing at all, and claims to not know what Luke is talking about. Luke's called away for dinner, and asks 3PO to finish cleaning the R2 unit. So so now we're seeing this is the R2 that we've always known, and uh, he's going to do his own thing. Always. Yeah. Is this why you like R2 so much? Because... Because he says fuck you to everybody. He's right? a honey badger. There you go. But he does it subtly. <laughs> yeah. He's not over the top about it. He's the dry humor. I, I think guys. I genuinely like R2 because none of this would work without him. If you take R2 out of the movies, mm-hmm. there is so much that doesn't get done. Yeah. He is the one character, more so than C-3PO, if you take him out, none of these Jedi or these magical characters are able to do a damn thing because they still need the droid. Yeah. They still need him to plug in and use his magical interface. Now, wait, does R2 know <laughs> that Luke is Anakin's son? I think he, I thought that he did, but I don't, when you watch this, I don't know. I thought he did because yeah. of working with uh, Bail, and, Bail Organa and all this stuff, but they do say at the end of episode three, make sure you wipe the memories. <laughs> they wipe C3PO's memory. No, both. He says, "Take these droids and have both their memories wiped." I don't know. Th- no, he said, uh, "Take the R two unit and get them cleaned up." And then, because C three P goes, "Wait, what?" Because it's directed to him. If R two knows, then why hasn't he said something to Luke yet? Oh, it does say, "Clean them up, have the protocol droids mem- mind wiped." Right. R two does not. So R two does know. He knows everything. R two knows everything. Which is weird because as he's as Luke and R two build this little partnership, you would think at some point R two would say, beep, beep, beep. like by the way, uh, you're, but you're, then R two stays shut down for all of Episode seven, and everybody's always like, really, all he had to do was just turn himself on. R two must know way more than we than any of us know. Maybe he's God, and he's the one that's actually <laughs> like turning all of these things. It's all. It's all. And I, he only. He only. Like, allows things to happen once there's a reason for it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just really hard to tell your friend that he's adopted and that his dad actually is around. He just doesn't want to see him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. During dinner, Luke tells his aunt and uncle that the droids may belong to somebody called Obi-Wan Kenobi, and the news greatly disturbs Uncle Owen, but he won't say why. Luke asks if Obi-Wan is possibly related to a hermit named Ben Kenobi. 
Owen, Owen, I guess Kenobi's a popular name on Tatooine. Yeah, really. Owen claims that Ben is just a crazy old wizard and is probably dead. Owen makes a comment which seems to indicate that Obi-Wan Kenobi knew Luke's long-deceased father. But when Luke presses Owen for details, his uncle quickly changes the subject and instructs Luke to erase the droid's memories the next morning. Luke, who hopes to leave home for training at a nearby Imperial Military Academy to become a space pilot, leaves the room angrily to return to cleaning the droids. Luke's Aunt Beru tells Owen that Luke is too much like his father to remain with them, to which Owen responds with, that's what I'm afraid of. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Owen again, acting like a dick. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you share that with your now, I'm going to assume, 18, 19 year old kid? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. He he shows a lot of emotion for this kid that is not actually his biologically, and the only thing I can figure they don't have other kids. Yeah, yeah. So well, Luke legit seems to be like Lars sees him as his kid, mm-hmm. and so why is he not telling him? Because he doesn't want him to leave. He doesn't want any of this to happen. He wants him to be his kid. But here, so, and, and here, so he's going to be as honest as he can be with by sharing as little as he needs to. And with that in mind, that means that as Luke grew up, he was Luke Lars. Yep. So how does he know his last name is Skywalker later? Oh, I don't think. I, see, I don't think he grew up Luke Lars. I oh, think okay. he grew up Luke Skywalker. I think his uncle told. Like clearly, he knew his dad. Yeah. Because he then says to Obi Wan, "Oh no, my dad was just a pilot on a spice freighter." Mm-hmm. So he knows that he is not Lars's genuine kid, and so he knows Skywalker and all that. I'm just saying he didn't tell him the truth. He told him a story because he didn't want Luke running off and finding out because the minute you find out, yeah, your dad was murdered, he killed all these people, and the whole galaxy's because of your dad, Mm -hmm. that's going to fuck with your head a little bit. Yeah. You're going to see things a little bit differently in the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, After dinner, Luke discovers that the R2 has escaped to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. Luke tells 3PO that it's too late to look for R2 because it's dangerous. There's sand people out in the area and that they will set out first thing in the morning to go look for him. Uh, Sand people. We don't know what sand people are. What could these be? Yeah. You know, uh, the following morning, Luke and 3PO set out in Luke's land speeder to find R2. They locate him on the scanner and catch up with him. As soon as they find him, R2 informs him that his scanner, own scanner, is picking up several creatures closing in on them. Luke fears the sand people have found them and confirms it using a set of binoculars. Yeah, and before this, Patrick had another point because there's a scene where the sand people see the speeder and they go to chase after him and they jump on the Banthas. And then Patrick (laughs) made the comment, the sand people are in a hurry to track down Luke, so they hop on their Banthas that move slower than a turtle. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, I mean, when you think about what they do with the Banthas, they were elephants. They were African elephants. Uh, so maybe it just takes a while. They got to they gotta work to pick up speed, and then they, they can't stop. Well, think about this. You, <laughs> you have an elephant. You put all of that shit on an elephant. And then you say, walk through sand. That's going to be hard to do. Not yeah, to mention, right. could you imagine that being happening today? That would never happen today. No, they'd have to make it fully anim- animatronic. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. They could, there's a lot... Animal stuff that happened in the 1970s that they couldn't do today. Nope. Uh, one of these sand people ambushes them, hitting Luke over the head, knocking him unconscious. C3PO goes tumbling down the side of a sand dune, and R2 runs and hides. Yeah, he's I mean, the smart one. Yeah. Uh, after stealing some parts off of Luke's speeder, the sand people are frightened away by the sound of a vicious beast. You want to talk about the sound? Yeah, I watched it for the Blu ray this morning, and when I watched that scene, I'm like, wait a second. That's not what I remember the sound. <laughs> and I honest to God thought, like, did they hire Ewan McGregor to come back and do a weird screaming, screeching sound? 
But apparently Joe was like, no, it was, it was George Lucas. And I'm like, what, what the, what the fuck was wrong with the guttural, like, actual monster sound? Yeah. No, now it's like some guy scream. It literally sounds like a guy screaming. Yeah. yeah. That on the sound bites? I do not. Oh, oh I'll look for Every it. Every time I hear it, I think of the family guy, Blue Harvest. Where they get Opie to be the sand person. The sound comes from a mysterious hooded figure. The figure checks on Luke and tells his hood, takes his hood off to reveal his features. He's an old bearded man who gently touches Luke's forehead. Luke mm. quickly comes to and recognizes the man as Ben Kenobi. Luke tells the man that his droid claims to belong to an Obi-Wan Kenobi. This knowledge startles the old man, who reveals that he is Obi-Wan Kenobi, but that he hasn't gone by that name in many years. Oh, a long time since before you were born. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were called, like, they were born. <laughs> you left, and then you wrote a journal, and you said on the journal, Obi-Wan's <laughs> journal. <laughs> you literally wrote it, because I read it in a comic book later that said, Obi-Wan's journal. Yep. <laughs> After oh, a long time. A long time. A long time. Is he dead? Oh, no, he's not dead. He's me. After rescuing 3PO, they go to Obi-Wan's home to discuss the matter. At Obi-Wan's home, Luke learns that Obi-Wan knew his father and that they were both Jedi Knights of the Old Republic. Obi-Wan then produces Anakin's lights- lightsaber, although we don't know Anakin's name at all. No, we don't. In fact, we don't know who the hell this Your is. Father's we just know it's a father. What? Some more, yeah. yeah. Owen had a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. An energy sword, which was, cho- which, which, was the, which, which was the chosen weapon of the Jedi Knights. He gives the weapon to Luke, saying that his father wanted him to have it when he was old enough, but Owen would have none of it. And then this teenage kid goes on to say, no, I got to go home. I got work to do. And this is when Patrick went off. <laughs> Patrick goes. Well, what, what, we, we have a few more here. Oh, I'm we'll sorry. Get to, no, we'll get there. Don't worry. Uh, he gives the. Okay. Uh, when Luke asks about how his father died, Obi-Wan explains a young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was once a pupil of Obi-Wan, oh, yeah, right. was seduced by the dark side of the Force and eliminated the, Je- the Jedi. Vader betrayed and murdered Luke's father. He continues to explain that a Jedi receives his power from the Force, an energy field that is created by all living beings that surrounds us, penetrates us, and binds the galaxy together. Yep. Uh, at this point, Obi-Wan has R2 play Princess Leia's complete message. The princess reminds Obi-Wan of his past service to her father in the Clone Wars and conveys his plea to assist in the rebellion against the Empire. She tells Obi-Wan that she has embedded information crucial to the rebellion in R2's memory banks and asks Obi-Wan to deliver the droid to her father on Alderaan so that the information can be retrieved and repeats her plea that he is now her only hope. Unfortunately, she gives no indication as to who her fucking father is, so how is he supposed to know who the hell she is? He was there when the babies were handed off. So how would she know that he knows? Exactly. That's a good point. How does she <laughs> unless unless Bale told her? Okay. Bale may have told her that Obi-Wan was there when you were born, like he would know me and all this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Obi-Wan cannot hope to undertake such a mission alone because he's 80 years old and an old fart. That's fair. Yeah. So he tells Luke that he should learn the ways of the Force and accompany him to Alderaan. I love Newsies. Luke is, a- <laughs> <laughs> oh. Luke is adamant that he can't go and that he must stay on Tatooine and help his uncle, which is funny because... He's been all about getting the fuck out of there. And learning about his father, and this is when Patrick goes, hey, teenage kid, just ignore all the information you just learned about your father that you obviously desperately wanted to know. Like, that's going to stop fucking Luke from going and learning more about this? No, I want to go back and moisture farm. Yeah. <laughs> and join the Imperials. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because he... 
when he does the whole we're washing C-3PO and R2-D2 yeah, thing. I hate the Empire, too. Yeah. You know about the Rebellion? But he wants to join the Imperials? Yeah. He just wants out, man. Yeah. Obi-Wan can't... Teenage uh, kids, they can't make up their mind. I tell you what. Thank you, Hayden Christensen, for teaching us that. (laughs) Must be a hereditary thing. (laughs) But I was going to Tashi Station to steal some power converters. (laughs) (laughs) They decided to go... Worst line ever. It is. God, I hate that line. You know what I hate about that line is they play it in the commercial breaks for Rebels now. All the time. And it's not even the same person saying it. They decide to go to the city of Anchorhead so that Obi-Wan can book a transport to Mos Eisley Spaceport. Meanwhile... The Devastator has docked at the Death Star, a gargantuan space station resembling a small moon. Vader rendezvous with Grand Moff Tarkin, governor of the Imperial Outland Regions, and they enter a conference room where they meet with Admiral Moti. Is it Moti or Mahdi? Mahdi. Okay. And High General Tag. As they argue about the best way to exploit their newest technological terror, Tarkin tells them that the Emperor has decided to get rid of the Imperial Senate and use the Death Star to intimidate all of the Empire star systems into submission through fear of destruction. What the fuck? Yeah, get rid of all of this, and now you're either going to do what I'm going to tell you or I'm going to shoot you. I just think, I mean... You, like it the, doesn't get darker than that. No, and we also, when we first saw this movie, our idea of a Senate is like our Senate buildings that we have. You know, so many people in it. When you watch the prequels, there are thousands of senators. Yep. Thousands of worlds represented. And to get rid of all of them, that means that they all had to be okay with it, right? No. Not no. necessarily. Okay. They, it's just that's how big the Imperial military was. Yeah. That it didn't matter that thousands of star systems, maybe they all rebelled. But they're like, yeah, go ahead and try something. We will destroy you all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. M- uh, Mahdi is extremely confident in the new space station, calling it the ultimate power in the universe. However, Tag is adamant that the Death Star is not invincible and that the Rebels will figure this out if they have a chance to read its schematics. Vader tells them that the ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force, which seems like somebody isn't focused on the meeting here. Nope. Monty callously mocks Vader's Jedi heritage. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Noting that the Force has not helped him recover the stolen schematics or pinpoint the Rebellion's headquarters. Angered, Vader uses the Force to strangle Amadi like a baller until Tarkin orders him to stand down. The commanders decide to focus on interrogating Leia until she gives up the location of the Rebel headquarters. They will then use the Death Star to destroy it once and for all. Let's talk about Vader and Tarkin's relationship. <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. That's Patrick's favorite quote. If you watch this film on its own, who is in charge? Vader. Tarkin. Tarkin. No, if you watch no, the no, film. Yeah, if you're watching this film, Tarkin is the badass. Vader is just his errand boy. Mm-hmm. That's the sense I got. That's what I got the first time I, I saw it. Choking. Yeah. But again, maybe I just saw it at such a young age. I just knew. Yeah. I mean, like, no, when you when you watch this, you're like Tarkin is the badass. Tarkin is the head honcho. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's interesting because after you watch all these, I mean, when you read the book Tarkin, you understand why that relationship is the way it is. Uh, and it's very much the same as what they did in Force Awakens with Kylo Ren and General Hux, and that they are to represent two different ideas of this government. And if one is to fall out of favor, then the one in charge is going to destroy the other. 
So yep. they have to work together, and they have to listen to each other. Otherwise, they did. As Luke and his companions travel to Anchorhead, they find the Jawa Sandcrawler completely destroyed, with all the Jawas slaughtered. Although they appear to be victims of the Sand People, Obi-Wan recognizes signs which indicate an attack by Imperial Stormtroopers. And he says a line, which is kind of funny, which is, no, these... Doesn't he say, like, these blaster shots are too accurate? Too accurate to just be sand people. And the, they've hit, too like... Too precise. These, these blaster go. bolts are too precise to be sand people. Yeah. It's... It, when <laughs> stormtroopers can't hit a fucking barn. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because it was such a gigantic vehicle. You couldn't hit it. You couldn't yeah, miss it. There you go. Because in Obi-Wan's day, they were brand new. and Yeah. Well, they were... They've, they've clearly gotten better in 19 years. Yeah. <laughs> Luke realizes that the only reason the Imperial troops would kill Jawas is because they're looking for the droids which escaped the battle and he races home over Obi-Wan's objections that he is likely endangering his own life. Oh, Luke, wait! <laughs> he jumps in his speeder, heads home, but he's too late. When I was a kid mm-hmm. and I saw this scene and I saw it, I'm like, oh, burned house, very sad. I remember the first moment I realized there were skeletons. I was in college and I had the gold set. I had taken it with me and in my college dorm, I had the black TV that had the built-in VHS underneath it. Tinier than, the, than your computer screen. It was a tiny oh, okay. TV. And I'm watching it on that. And because it's so tiny, I was like laying on my college dorm bed, mm-hmm. like close to the TV. Um, and I remember watching it. And I saw that scene. And I just paused it. I'm like, wait a second. And I got really close. And I looked. I'm like, holy fuck, those are skeletons. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> in that moment, like, holy shit, that's way more scary. Like, how many times did I watch that? And I'm just like, oh, it's burned. And so they probably, like, in my little kid brain, I probably thought, oh, they got captured or they were they were maybe killed, but we didn't see. But no, right there in plain sight, you see burned, charred, bloody bodies. And you're like, that's so dark. Yeah. That's so dark. And I watched that how many times as a kid? And that, that just completely, I missed that. Now, did they add the scene in the close-up of the skeletons later on? I don't know. And so that's another thing I wonder is like... So it was did a special I, edi- the gold was a special go- edition. Yeah, and yeah. I remember. I'm like, that original VHS that I always watch, I have no idea what happened to that. But it always made me wonder. I'm like, damn, Like, how did I watch that movie so many times as a kid mm-hmm. and never see those skeletons? Yeah, when I was a kid, I just remember the, the black smoke coming out of the building. And you knew what had happened. You were like, yeah. okay, that's it. And it wasn't until I got older when I noticed the skeletons. And then, for some reason, it just... When I watched it this time, I was like, they do a close-up there. What, was that in the original? Uh, I Yeah, they did. And when I watched it this morning, I'm like, like you see the blood and the skin still on them? I'm yeah. like, that's dark. Yeah. That's really yeah. dark. I didn't notice I didn't notice that much detail until I bought it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that. So that maybe that was a change to the Blu-ray. Was Could enough be. people didn't realize it. Yeah. That Lucas he'd be like, "Hey, by the way, there's this really horrible thing. I want to make sure you see it. So I'm gonna <laughs> like make sure it's in really good detail. Bloody corpses. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> we also get the sense that the Imperials aren't fucking around either. No. And, golly. But then, then you know, a few and years clearly they can hit it. A few years later, a little documentary called. Troops comes out and explains what happened. Meanwhile, <clears throat> on the Death Star, Princess Leia is tortured by Darth Vader for the location of the hidden rebel base. Luke returns to Obi-Wan, saying that with no reason to remain, he wants to go with him to Alderaan. More importantly, he declares his wish to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like his father once was. As they approach Anchorhead, Obi-Wan warns Luke and the droids that most Eisley is a hotbed of crime and villainy. Scum and villainy. Yeah. 
Luke assures he knows how to handle himself in a fight. Upon entering the spaceport, they are approached by Imperial troops at a roadblock, asking questions about the two droids they have with them. Obi-Wan appears to induce a trance-like state in the lead guard, persuading him that these are not the droids they are looking for. When Luke is puzzled by the ease of their passage, Obi-Wan explains that the Force can have a strong influence on the weak-minded. Now, if you've seen it from episode one, you know exactly what happened. If you see it there, you're like, that was cool. What just happened? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is the first time in this movie we see the Force actually used, I guess. And so it's mind control. That's that's not dark side, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mind control. Mind control and choking people. That's all we know the Force does so far. (laughs) It chokes people and controls their minds. Yeah. And you get a fancy sword. And you get a fancy sword. And you get a lightsaber. Yeah. at the most Eisley Cantina, Luke gets into a scuffle with two criminals who threaten to kill him. He doesn't like you. <laughs> I don't like you either. Sorry. You better. Igor. You. Frederick. <laughs> I have the death sentence on 12, 12 systems. You'll it's be not dead. a pretty picture. You'll be dead. <laughs> uh, this is a cool scene. I love the bar. I do too. It's, and it, I remember as a kid collecting those toys. And I wanted every single creature in the cantina. Yeah. And there was always one. I can't remember. I think the one with the tentacles and his like, and his yeah. chin. It's the only one I could never get. Um, but they added a whole bunch of new ones to the special edition too. Yeah. They're like, we don't have enough weird things. Let's add more. I thought it was hilarious that there's a talls. And we've learned that the talls can only live on cold planets. <laughs> it's tattooing and he's there stroking his beard like yep this is great i'm like you're fucking talls what the hell are you doing on tattooing yeah that's not cool <laughs> uh yeah and also the music is great it, it's it might be i mean it's so funny how the john williams music gets all the credit for people remembered star wars from it but you hear this music, you and you s- instantly identify with Star Wars. Also, yep. uh, it, it, it's a it's a wacky song. They haven't had to redo it, Uh-oh. unlike Return of the Jedi, which we'll get to later. <sighs> so- when one of the creatures pulls a gun on Kenobi, the old Jedi Knight defends himself with his lightsaber, slashing off the creature's gun arm before it can shoot. Want to talk about your uh, your friend with the lightsaber? Didn't you have comment about that? Oh, I just thought it was amazing that he, they pull out this lightsaber, and after all of this time, Jedi are. Like bounties, they are like the most expensive, greatest bounty, and a lightsaber, especially. We've learned from the books that like you want a lightsaber. If you get one, you hold on to one. Mm. And this guy whips out a lightsaber, cuts <laughs> down two people with it, and everybody's just like, "Huh, another day at the pub." Goes right <laughs> it's like, what surprise. the? F- <laughs> how did nobody I mean I know there's the the long nosed guy that eventually goes and calls the stormtroopers, but how was not every bounty hunter in the place? suddenly now pointing a gun at them saying, yeah, you're going to pay for my next ship. Yeah. Well, do you think that, I mean, your Jedis are a bounty, but since they've all been killed, do you think there are a lot of just like lightsabers out as far as... Do like, I think there's of- a lot? No, because we learned from the comics that lightsabers after a while shut down and disintegrate. Like their their crystals don't work anymore. Yeah. Okay. So this is 19 years later, maybe let's say it's been 10 years since uh, lightsabers maybe been seen, and this just pops on in the middle of a cantina. No, I guarantee nobody in that cantina before that moment had probably seen a lightsaber in person. Yeah. And you expect me to believe that they're like, yeah, that's a laser sword. 
<laughs> Not that interesting. <laughs> Scene Still back one. to my drink. Well, the other thing is, 15 minutes later in the movie, he's like, there are other ways than violence. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you just hurt two people. <laughs> <laughs> and you're proving that all you have to do is like deflect bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys. yeah, the guy pulls a gun on him. He doesn't deflect the bullet. He just cuts his arm off. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like he when we're not we're not when they are on the ship, he mm-hmm. proves that that's possible. Yeah. Dude, did he have to cut the guy's arm off? <laughs> <laughs> and he really Han solo easy guy. He really didn't like him. violence. He yeah. really didn't like him. <laughs> Moments later, they meet smuggler Han Solo, captain of the Millennium Falcon, and his first mate Chewbacca, a seven-foot-tall Wookiee. It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. Sometimes, if you don't know what's going on, you get why Alec Guinness was like, it was just a f- bunch of f***ing gibberish. It's, <laughs> I'm reminded of Christopher Walken when they did the SNL sketch of the auditions, and they'd walk and do that line. It's so amazing. Uh, it was like, you know, it's the ship that made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. She's good enough for you, old man. That sucked. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But with people that you know that are arrogant and that are just very pretentious, you don't know what they're saying anyways because they're making half of their shit up. Yeah, that's true. So the friends that I have that they were just like, all right, whatever, man. Just say what you need to say. So almost him saying that and us having no idea what it means. (laughs) Maybe that just paints the picture of Han Solo. Yeah, no one knows what you're saying, Han. Yeah, (laughs) and nobody cares either. We get it. Upon learning that Obi-Wan and Luke are trying to avoid Imperial Capture, Imperial Capture, Captain Solo gives his prices 10,000 credits for the trip. Luke balks at that price, stating that they could almost buy their own ship for that, but Han is dubious that they could fly it themselves. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan tells Solo that they will pay him 2,000 credits now and 15,000 more when they reach Alderaan, and Han agrees. We also don't know that they're called credits. He's just like, 10,000. Yeah. We could almost buy our own ship for that. It's mm-hmm. like, when did we first learn they re- they used credits? Yeah, when was that? I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think now. Like, yeah, because he just says 10,000. 10,000. We could buy 10,000. Is, is it the Jabba scene that comes up next? Maybe. I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. After Luke and Obi-Wan leave, Han tells Chewbacca that 17,000 credits could really save his neck. As Chewbacca leaves to make pre-flight preparations, Han hangs back to take care of their bar tab and is stopped by Greedo, a bounty hunter working for feared crime lord Jabba the Hutt. As Greedo points a blaster pistol at Solo and forces him toward a secluded section of the bar, Han insists that he has the 8,000 credits he needs to cover the loss he owes the crime lord. Greedo suggests that Solo give it to him as a bribe not to turn him over to Jabba, forcing Han to admit that he doesn't actually have the money yet. Realizing that Greedo will either turn him over to Jabba or kill him for the bounty that Jabba has placed on him, Solo quietly removes his heavy pistol under the table. And when Greedo admits that he would just as soon see him dead as alive, Solo dodges Greedo's blaster fire, shoots second, and kills the alien. On his way out, Han throws the bartender a few coins, apologizing for the mess he left behind. Had to get that in there, did you? He does shoot second, doesn't he? He does in the movie. And unfortunately, there is no evidence anymore unless you have those old movies. I actually, actually, after I got the gold set, the remastered set, Mm -hmm. my uh, father or my mother uh, bought another set because they were worried that they had bought the wrong set. (laughs) And so they bought it, and I still have it. Uh, the wife was actually upset with me because uh, she wanted to get rid of them. I'm like, no, you can't get rid of them. She says, we don't have anything that can play VHS. I'm like, no, those are the only thing I have that show the original versions yeah. of these movies. And they were um, purple cases, 
with blue writing, green writing, and red writing. Blue for New Hope, red for Empire Strikes Back, and green for Return of the Jedi. Was it the THX ones? Yes. The black the black, uh, the black case with like yes. the purple at the top. I had that set, and it is to this day the only set I have with mm-hmm. no new additions, no nothing else on it, but they're in VHS. So. But that set also has interviews beforehand with Leonard Maltin and George Lucas talking about the prequels, if yes. I remember. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but they're VHS uh, tapes, so at some point I'll need to move them over to DVD or something. Yeah, for your boy. Yep. At the docking bay, Han is confronted by Jabba the Hutt and several other associates. Jabba expresses frustration over Greedo's death and reminds Han of the nature of their business. He cannot make any exceptions of those who fail across him, lest he appear weak. Han insists that he will soon have enough money to pay off his debt with interest. He just needs more time. And then, uh, yeah, Jabba gives him the exception. Do you know this was a deleted scene? Yes, it yes, was. Yes, I did. I just learned that. Yeah, this right scene now. was not. And I believe when it was originally filmed, it was a human. It was a human. That's why they had to figure out, like, because uh, Harrison Ford walks the whole way around the human actor. Yes. It was before they decided to make Jabba a slug character. And so once they did, they were like, well, how do we deal with it? And so they, sh- they shimmied the camera to make it look like he stepped up and then over. And then they gave him the reaction, like this, the whoop, stepping on his tail. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't. It looks like shit. Yeah. In all honesty, I, I wish they would just take that scene back out. Mm-hmm. You don't need that scene with Jabba the Hutt at all. The it only is not th- necessary. The only thing it does is it gives more story to Jabba. what happens with Return of the Jedi, the beginning of Return of the Jedi. And you don't need more story. You don't. Let, let no, Jabba but... be a mysterious character until you meet him in Return of the Jedi. Well, the... that's the thing. You met him once in episode one. Oh, that's true. You did. Yeah. So it's like, and you've heard about him, I believe... Well, no, he's just in episode one, you hear. Yeah. And then you don't see him again until episode six, if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. From a child's point of view, that was a really funny scene, though. Mm-hmm. Being a kid, watching that. Oh, where he goes, Rah! Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with it, but it paints a picture of who Han is. And- but he'll let Han step on his tail and laugh about it and then just walk away. But a dancer is upset about the outfit she's wearing, and she's thrown into a pit. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the right scene. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying I laughed. <laughs> Touche, sir. Touche. C-3PO and R2-D2 hide in a dwelling and lock the doors. When stormtroopers knock on the door, recognizing it's locked, they decide to move on because that isn't suspicious. Yeah, at all. <laughs> I hate that scene so much. Or... Move on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone heads to the docking bay where the Falcon is being prepared for flight. Luke is not impressed by the looks of the Falcon, but Han assures him that he has made a few modifications to ensure that she's got it where it counts. Meanwhile, Imperial troops believe that they are on the the trail of the two droids when a local informant with a nose that looks like a nine-inch uncircumcised dick tells them that the whereabouts of the fugitives after recognizing Luke and Obi-Wan. Do they need the informant? No, I don't think they need him. I think it was just a way of showing that people are trying to work with the Empire. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, no sooner do Luke, Obi-Wan, and the droids aboard, board the Millennium Falcon than the Imperial troops come running into the docking bay, hoping to arrest Luke and Obi-Wan and capture the droids. The troops fire at Solo and the Falcon, but the ship escapes. Once they clear the planet, they are immediately pursued by two huge Imperial Star Destroyers. Solo remarks that his passengers must be hotter than they thought. They jump to light speed, escaping the Imperial ships. And for the first time, light speed works right away on the Falcon. It does. <laughs> There were six troopers all firing at Han Solo. But they fight precisionly towards Jawas 
Han Solo takes out four of them mm-hmm. with four blaster bolts. So clearly he's a bad. Or None of the other troops can fucking hit him, and he's standing out <laughs> in the open. On the Death Star, the Imperials just can't seem to get any information from the princess. Must be the Force. Must be. Yeah. There could be no other reason. I mean, because... And, and Vader would be figuring out, wow, she resists the mind probe. The only people I know that can resist mind probes were Jedi. Kylo Ren figured it out. She's, str- she's strong in the Force. She doesn't <laughs> know it yet. Uh, Tarkin, Vader, and Mahdi shift tac- tactics, threatening to destroy the princess's home planet of Alderaan if she won't reveal the rebel's location. She reluctantly tells them that the rebel base is on the planet Dantooine. Tarkin then orders his officers to proceed with Alderaan's destruction, noting that Dantooine is way too remote to make an effective demonstration of the Death Star's power. Alderaan is destroyed by a single blast from the Death Star's enormously powerful laser blaster while Leia is forced to watch. So I know we should probably talk about the fact that billions of people were just snuffed out and we yeah. see how powerful that station is. But as I was listening to that summary, I just thought something I never actually thought before. What's that? Are we actually going to get to see the Rebels set up their base on Dantooine, like in the movie, Star in the show Star Wars Rebels? Because clearly we need to see, or they go to Dantooine because it's eventually later found out that they had left. Yeah. So do we get to see Dantooine and get to see them set that all up? Yeah, they got to throw that in there somewhere. Because right? Dantooine is a planet that is one of the main places you go to in KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic. Oh! Dantooine had a Jedi Academy, the whole kit and caboodle. Was it? Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, will we see Dantooine? I always assumed anyway, Dantooine was a lot like Tatooine. Back to, back to like, billions of people just died, and, and, Vader, <laughs> and Vader and Tarkin looked at it like, yeah, just another day at the office. Yeah. And then you see Obi-Wan, who looks like he just had a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan is training Luke in the ways of the Force when he is greatly disturbed by a tremor. He feels that millions of people have died in an instant amidst great suffering, though he doesn't know how. He decides to meditate on this further as Luke continues an exercise in allowing the Force to guide his reflexes. You okay? Oh, that's what he does. It's like some weird, weird hand motion where he's like, yeah, continue with your exercises. Han is not impressed. Thinking man pose. And explains that he does not believe in the Force. Luke, however, manages to use his lightsaber to deflect four laser bolts in a row from a remote droid, all while wearing a helmet which covers his eyes. <gasps> He's magically the one. Did anybody here ever try that at some point? To be like, Oh, yeah, clearly. I'll hold a baseball bat. You throw a ball at me, and I'm going to be blindfolded. I'm going to use the I force. didn't do a baseball bat. We did golf balls. Uh, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you... <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing the legend of your childhood. <laughs> you and Boyd, your childhood, I'm like, I just wish I could be a fly on the wall to watch all this happen. I still think the dumbest thing we did was put pins in the end of arrows, like the old Nerf <laughs> shot, like the Nerf arrows. We'd put pins in the end of them because we were pissed off with each other because we'd all lie. We were playing Capture the Flag or some war game, and we'd be like, I hit you with the arrow. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And so we stuck pins in the end of them. So, like, you reacted if you got hit with the arrow. <laughs> it's hardcore at the hate household. Really <laughs> wow. <laughs> Back on the Death Star, Tarkin and Vader <laughs> receive a report. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that there, there was Nerf arrows. They're not flying that fast. They're going to hurt still, though. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll try hurt. to move. St- oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. I was going to try. I always try to move stuff with the Force, like the remote closer. Or yeah. Like scoot like forks or something across the table. When you go to like a shopping center and the doors open up by themselves, you do this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still do. I, still, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I definitely do that when I go into Target. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Green lights. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do it. I, di- I did it to the wife once whenever we were having like a little play argument. I'm like, you will forget this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I paid for that later. I was going to say, that's ballsy, man. Uh Okay, <laughs> you you will forget. I just told this joke on the podcast. <laughs> if, if there's anything you need me to cut out, let me know. That's a, she doesn't listen to this thing anyway. I've learned okay. that many many times. Okay. I might as well start just pro- pulling jokes. Watch, <laughs> watch this be the week. Yeah, don't. So do I it, don't man. listen to it, do I? <laughs> she loves it. Damn it. <laughs> Back on the Death Star, Tarkin and Vader receive a report that there was once a rebel base on Dantooine, but it has been long since abandoned. Outraged at Leia's trickery, Tarkin orders her execution. Kill her immediately. Yes, but let's wait for the Falcon to get here. Let's let's wait for this to happen. Let, let's wait for that. I mean, man, immediate in Imperial is like half a day. The chain of command <laughs> does not work very well. No. <laughs> Have her executed immediately. Well, hold on. The ship has to come into the system. Then we have to find the ship. Then we have to tractor beam the ship. Then we have to scan the ship. Then we have to have Vader leave and go down, but he's not going to go straight to Executor like he was just told. He's going to go see this random ship that just showed up in a hangar. What if Vader knows it's his daughter and it's like, I'm going to take my time on this one? Yeah. Okay. Go with that one. Back on the... <laughs> back whatever, on the whatever makes you feel better. <laughs> back on the Falcon, upon exiting light speed, they find the Millennium Falcon is in an asteroid field instead of Alderaan's orbit. Han confirms that they are in the right location, but that the planet is missing. Obi-Wan quietly states that the planet has been destroyed by the Empire, but Solo insists that all the Empire ships combined wouldn't have enough firepower to destroy a planet. Moments later, they are overflown by a tiny little fighter. Obi-Wan concludes it is way too small for long-range flight, so there must be an Imperial base nearby. As they chase after the fighter to keep it from notifying the Empire of their location, they see the fighter heading toward a small moon, the Death Star. That's There's not no a moon. moon. It's a space <laughs> station. <laughs> They are caught in the Death Star's tractor beam and are pulled aboard the station into a docking bay. Now, I need to do two because another one of Patrick's is coming up and I forgot one. And it was actually a really good one from back on Tatooine. Me and Joe already laughed at this, Joel, so you'll have to appreciate (laughs) this. Uh, Patrick pointed out, so during the escape when they leave Tatooine, C-3PO apparently has forgotten how much he hates space travel. (laughs) How f***ing long was he on Tatooine? (laughs) (laughs) He was just in space. (laughs) I forgot how much I hate space travel. <laughs> Over a day? They didn't want this memory, <laughs> though, right? <laughs> Dude, all no! <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then go ahead and... Con- or, oh, no, you had one more. And then, Well, the next one, Darth Vader uh, apparently said, I-, I-, I haven't felt this presence since Squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so that so that was Patrick's other. Uh, yeah, other they answer. go to they go to scan the Falcon. They don't find anything because everybody's hiding under the boards. I haven't felt the presence since. I like that line though. Awkward pause. It shows that he's human, and sometimes I start conversations, and I'm like, and then I just go. You know that actually brings up another gamer that that I'll have to that I'll bring up on the podcast, and we'll see if any of them listen. There's a guy named Sprad, and uh, he always starts lists with like, "Well, first off," and, <laughs> and then stops, and then nothing. <laughs> And I've now played enough with him online. He does it all the time. Oh, that would irritate the hell out of me. It's always like, you know, first, and sometimes he'll say, you know, first there's da-da-da-da-da. Mm. If, if there's a first, there's a second, second. spread. <laughs> like, what's coming? Yeah. So. I like when they, I like people go, first, and then B, 
Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Home Alone. So, 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 Sprad, little shout out to you. I know Patrick will hear that and he'll laugh really hard. But yeah, it's all the time. Like, you know what, guys? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, finish the statement. <laughs> When two stormtroopers go aboard the Falcon to set up their scanning equipment, Luke and Solo shoot them both and steal their armor uniforms. No one hears the blasts, though. The helmets conceal their identity and allow them to infiltrate a troop command center outside the docking port. Inside the command center, R2 plugs into the station computer system and discovers the location of the tractor beam generator. Obi-Wan sets out to just shut down the generator so that the ship can leave. Luke wants to go with him, but Obi-Wan orders Luke to stay, noting that Luke's destiny now splits paths from his own. Perhaps sensing that this is the last time he will see Luke in this reality, he tells Luke, the Force will be with you always. Uh, so let me get this straight. R2 has to plug into the station computer system to find the location of the tractor beam, but he has the plans to the system already in his system. Yes. Isn't that a little redundant? <laughs> Hey, it's R2-D2. Don't fuck with the droid that <laughs> is the mastermind of everything. He is in control of everything. He it is would, the emperor. <laughs> it would be hilarious if the very last episode ever of Star Wars, like in, in thousands of years, whenever they're making episode 987 six, um, out of R2 comes like a little tiny miniature George Lucas. I was the master of it all. <laughs> He's just like cackling laughter. A little men in black alien inside <laughs> his dome. <laughs> This was all my brainchild. <laughs> R2-D2 is seeing the final scene just like, you know, at a bar with Jar Jar going, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. With Jar Jar. We did it. We did. <laughs> High five. <laughs> we took a long time. <laughs> After Obi-Wan leaves, R2 discovers that the princess is being held prisoner on aboard the station. Luke suddenly takes the initiative, sparing no event effort to convince Solo and Chewbacca to assist him in what is surely going to be a very risky rescue. Because she's hot, man. She's mm -hmm. hot. You save the hot chick. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, Even I, when it's your sister. You didn't know that yet. <sighs> yeah, but it's hard to not unsee that or unknow that. Well, I know, but from his perspective, he has no idea. It's going to be hard to deal with it later when he finds out. <laughs> he doesn't even have parents, let alone yeah, siblings. I know. I know. Which makes me wonder about Return of the Jedi when, it's, when he finds out, when he realizes there's no, like... Oh, oh, I kissed her. Oh, no, I, I, I've always known. Yeah. On some level. So you were okay <laughs> with that? <laughs> you, you're all right. All right. All right. Whatever tricks your trigger. I ain't here to judge. Right. <laughs> Han, initially scared for his own neck, eventually agrees, but only after Luke suggests that a great monetary reward would soon, surely follow her rescue. Luke and Han take Chewbacca captive and assume their tro trooper identities in order to infiltrate the prison block. In the prison block, the officer in command becomes suspicious of their arrival since he was not notified. As a result, Luke and Han's escorted prisoner escapes and a firefight erupts be between the Imperials and Luke, Han, and Chewie. They manage to take out all the Imperials but set off an alarm in the process. A squad of troops are sent to investigate. Han and Luke know they only have moments to find the princess's cell and escape. Uh, Han talking... To people calling down is one of the best, best things. Uh, everything's fine. Uh, everything's fine down here. Uh, we're fine. Thank you. Uh, how are you? <laughs> best, best ad lib so ever. Good. Yeah. I if somebody actually wrote that word for word, I'm even more impressed. Well, but they, I, I always thought it was an ad lib. No, there were there were lines, but they made sure they didn't give them to him ahead of time, so that it was unrehearsed, and so it was like it just came out that way. Yeah. Ford genius. Yeah, they said he, I've 
yesterday I watched like one of the twenty minute videos of things you don't know about Star Wars. Oh yeah, okay. And they, he said that he just wanted it to sound like that because it was going to sound more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And because if you're if you get caught in the middle of an enemy spaceship, <laughs> I, like I mean, he probably says um sixteen times like everything is fine um mm-hmm. here now. Um, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> How, How are, are you? you? <laughs> So it just like paints a perfect picture of who his character is. Yeah. <laughs> also, there are what four or five Imperials in that room. So you have two weapons against those five. One of them is trained on the cameras. So now it's one versus five. How the hell do in that close quarters do they miss now? Because Han Solo is a fucking gunslinger, man. <laughs> he is a gunslinger. <laughs> Maybe somehow in the back of everything, they're using the force to like push the bullets away. <laughs> that's always been my. Who's the? One. Who's they? The two. Uh, Luke, <laughs> Luke and Han. Luke, who doesn't Just, even okay, know Luke, how to use mind. anything with a with a blast it's shield. Natural. It's natural. <laughs> it might be accidental. Maybe. Yeah. Like that's the only way I can validate it. I'm Watching sorry. All of these movies. Could you, like, how they could not get I'm sorry. I pushed all that stuff on your face. Let me just wipe it away real quick <laughs> with the force. Like, could you imagine if the force, you had the force and you didn't know you had it and you're sitting on the couch one day, just mind your business and everything, watching TV and you accidentally make the, the chip bowl move. That'd be you're awesome. Like, what the shit was that? Like, can you imagine how much hilarity would ensue in your life? Or how much you would believe in ghosts after a while, yeah. if that was happening. <laughs> uh, Luke finds the princess and introduces himself, himself as Luke Skywalker for the first time in this movie. The arriving troops cut off the only escape route. Leia shoots a hole in a garbage chute and tells everyone to dive in. Into the garbage chute, flyboys. There you go. <laughs> they escape the Imperials only to find themselves trapped in a large garbage compactor. To make matters worse, the compactor also houses a large serpent-like creature, which yanks Luke under the murky, disgusting water in the compactor, almost drowning him. There you go. It, it, is it a golf club? Sure. That well, pops up. I thought it was like a putter with like a <laughs> cup on the end. It's very well could be. Yeah. The creature inexplicably lets Luke go, but just as they catch their breath, the compactor activates, and the walls begin to move in, threatening to crush Han, Luke, Leia, and Chewie. Luke calls 3PO on the communicator and orders him to have R2 shut down all garbage compactors in the detention level. R2 complies just in time to save them. This is one of the best mistakes in the movie, though. The stormtroopers walk in, and one hits their head on the door. Yeah, it is pretty (laughs) awesome. It's amazing. And then C-3PO lies. No, no, he gives them away. Yep. They've gone down to the detention center. Hurry, you might catch them. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? What if he had gotten them killed? He'd be stuck there. He'd, be, a, he'd become an Imperial droid again? Again? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't remember the first time, right? Nope. Had his memory wiped. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, Vader informs Tarkin that he senses through the Force that Kenobi is aboard the station. So he figured it out, I guess. Yep. Must have done this. Meditation post, too. He, he thought really hard about it. <laughs> Tarkin is doubtful, but the discussion is soon interrupted by an emergency you report. You the last of that ancient religion. Yeah. Another guy ripping on their religion. Yeah. Princess Leia has escaped. Vader tells a shocked and bewildered Tarkin the true explanation for Leia's impossible escape. Obi-Wan is here. The Force is with him. Sensing that Obi-Wan wishes a final showdown, Vader sets off to find him. Unbeknownst to anyone, Kenobi has deactivated the tractor beam generator. Dun, dun, dun. That's something I did as a kid. I would always do all the sound effects. Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> 
Which is why when they change him in some of the episodes, I'm like, no! <laughs> I had that memorized, you f***. <laughs> After their escape from the compactor, Luke and Han dispose of their stormtrooper armor, but keep the troopers' utility belts and weapons. On their way back to the ship, they're cut off by more troops. They're split up, with Han and Chewbacca fighting together and Luke and Leia running on their own. All right. After being cornered between a great air shaft and a group of troopers, 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 group of troopers. Luke shoots a blast door's controls with his blaster, locking the troops on the other side of the door. Unfortunately, the blast also destroys the controls that extend the bridge across the air shaft. After a gunfight with stormtroopers on the other side of the shaft, Luke uses a cable and grappling hook from his freshly confiscated Imperial utility belt to swing himself and Leia safely across the gorge. They still have no idea they are brother and sister, but the audience knows. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and apparently that was done in one take. Wow, that's impressive. That was all one take. Well, he is a Jedi. And the reason why is because they didn't want to use stunt people, and they were also worried about killing the actor. So, like, you can do it one time. If you get it right, we'll use it. And they did it right. Nice. So there you go. Good for them. Obi-Wan, on his way back to the Falcon, encounters Vader. They exchange barbed comments. Vader boasts to his former master that he is so much more experienced and powerful than he was the last time that they met. The tables have now turned, with Vader the more powerful of the two. Obi-Wan... 19 years will do that, dude. Obi-Wan replies that Vader's turn to evil has made him oblivious to the Force's (sighs) true power. A ferocious lightsaber duel ensues. Well, a geriatric lightsaber duel... Ensues. Yeah, that thing bugs me. That whole fight bugs me. You have the ring, and I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, this is, keep in mind, back to back lightsaber fights, Anakin and Obi Wan. Yeah. We ended Revenge of the Sith with the most badass one imaginable. And now you're going to watch this one. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know, uh, I know someone who thinks that this fight is amazing. Steve. And I was like, no. He goes, it's better than the Emperor versus Yoda. It is better than the Emperor versus Yoda. Oh, I, so agree, I agree with him there. It's so funny that you all say that because episode two, the only saving <laughs> grace that made me say that it was worth my money seeing that movie was the Emperor's fight with Yoda. You mean episode yeah. three? You mean episode three? Oh, episode three. You mean Dooku's fight Dooku. with Dooku's Dooku's fight Never mind. My mistake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that fight. I didn't like that one either. <laughs> You didn't like that? Oh, that's right. We went over that one no, too. Because the only Yoda I'd ever seen before then was like Geriatric. hardly walking to the refrigerator. <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't think his abilities were cool. I love that. Yeah. What I hated was the fact that it was too hard for him to hold up rocks to save two people, and he couldn't also stop Dooku. And he's known the Force for 900 years. And I thought about that. And that is by that idea, that means that the older you are, the more powerful you are. Isn't that the case? Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry, maybe not no, more power, but more knowledge. I'm saying that the more knowledge you get, the more yeah. powerful you are. Uh, and is there a cap on the knowledge? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not 900 know. years old. Well, no one is. Not yet. Ask yeah. Yoda. I- and he didn't do it. So because he didn't do it, we have our answer. There we go. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it was a draw. Uh, Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie meet at the entrance of the docking bay. Uh the lightsaber duel on the other side of the bay distracts the troops guarding the ship, allowing the four of them, along with R2 and 3PO, to sneak across to board the Falcon. Now, what's strange here is that they see them. Leia knows Obi-Wan Kenobi. Leia wants Obi-Wan Kenobi. Leia doesn't do a damn thing with Obi-Wan Kenobi at all in this she entire doesn't. movie. Nope. She never shares a single scene with him. Not once. I didn't realize that. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like stunned and just, <laughs> just he's like, wait, what? Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, I I didn't. I've understood that there are almost two movies within this movie because every time it cuts back to Leia, I'm like, oh yeah, she's there, and then it cuts back to the other. I'm like, oh yeah, she's, he's there. <laughs> but I never, re- I didn't realize that they had never been in a scene. Just like I didn't yeah, realize that once. Bill Murray and Chevy Chase have never been in a scene other than that one scene in Caddyshack where he's golfing at night. I almost wonder when they were filming this if Alec Guinness ever met Carrie Fisher. I don't know if she did, but yeah. clearly that had to have been at some point for her, for her to be able to say, "Yeah, he told Mark Hamill to go the fuck away." <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. As Kenobi and Vader continue to fight, Kenobi informs Vader that if Vader strikes him down, he shall become more powerful. Ooh, I love that scene. And then he looks over at Luke, and, and he allows knows. him to. And it's the last time we really see somebody disappear from a lightsaber blade. It is. Because it never happens ever. Nope. I mean, Yoda disappears in Return of the Jedi. But not from a lightsaber cut. No, he just dies. And it's almost like he has disappeared before the lightsaber even hits. If you watch it close, that's what I always thought. The cloak is falling before that blade gets through. Yeah. That's what I've always thought. I didn't think he actually got hit by the lightsaber. Um, Vader is stunned and confused by this as he determines that no one is in Kenobi's now an empty cloak on the floor. And he kind of shrugs his shoulders and walks away. Maybe he's David Blaine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Patrick has some good points here, Ooh, and he actually go. has some good questions. Bring it, Patrick. I know that I know that later Obi Wan becomes a ghost or something, but by more powerful than you can ever know, did he mean the motivation for Luke to become a Jedi, or is there something larger in the Force, like a unified presence or a hive mind? Can the Force act on its own, or does it need a Force user to make something happen? I have never understood this. Okay. I, I always thought when he said, I'll become more powerful, it'll be now your child, who's going to be strong in the forest, will also have my knowledge on top of it. Couldn't he have had it if he stayed alive too? Like, I think what, yeah. I think what P- Patrick's point is, is You're do right. force users have to die in order to continue to empower the force? And then is there a central knowledge that runs everybody's mind once they've died, and it's that force that needs to exist? But if you don't have a force user, like, look to episode seven now. Mm-hmm. They, they're talking about the fact that there's no Jedi and all this stuff, and the force is unbalanced. Is that a problem? Because if you don't have somebody to actually wield and use the force... Does it just go to chaos and anarchy and all this yeah. stuff? Does somebody need to control the force? Well, I don't know. And I, I've always seen balance in the force being that there has to be an equal number on both sides, and that it's good for you, math teacher. <laughs> the it's how equals works. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll get to the return of the Jedi later, <laughs> where it's, balance is not brought to the force. But anyway. Uh, I, 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 when I, when I see this scene and I think of him being more powerful, I've always seen it as more influential. Uh, but at the same time, after this movie came out, you had the Thrawn trilogy that came out yep. and they revealed that those force ghosts have expiration dates because at the very beginning, Obi-Wan sees Luke in this book and he says, this is the last time I can come to see you. Yep. I, can't, I cannot do it any longer. Yep. So it that takes is, that's too not much strong. Ener- it takes too much energy to come back. So, but that's not canon. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Vader's stunned and confused. He doesn't know what the hell happened. Uh, Luke, appalled by the sight of his mentor being struck down by Vader, lets out a shout of horror like a girl, alerting, I shouldn't have said that, alerting all the troops to their presence. 
another firefight immediately erupts where nobody's hit again, and they barely make it aboard the ship with their lives. Well, I think they were pretty safe at this point. I mean, I so. they're all carrying a lucky rabbit's foot in their pockets. Luke stays behind, uh, attempting to shoot every Imperial soldier in the hangar, and he does. Yeah. Uh, so is he as much of a badass as Han Solo? Luke, run! Yeah. Yeah. And, and Luke's kind of like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, uh, it, it took death or something to, to wake his force abilities up, but yeah, he is instantly able to hit everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of Chewbacca when Han Solo gets killed in The Force Awakens. And he just Chewbacca goes on a fucking spree. Yeah, you don't mess with an angry Wookiee. Leave the angry Wookiee alone. <laughs> oh, we forgot that line. Uh, Wookiees are known to rip people's arms, arms off. off. <laughs> uh, That's because Wookiees don't rip or droids don't rip people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. <laughs> Finally, he relents, <laughs> hearing Obi Wan's voice telling him to run. As Vader catches a glimpse of him through a rapidly closing set of blast doors, when the Falcon flies out of the docking bay, the Imperials are unable to activate the tractor beam thanks to Kenobi. Well done, sir. Well done. Yeah, that old man came through. Having blasted their way out of the station's defense range, they are confronted by four Imperial TIE fighters. Luke and Han man two large gun turrets on the top and bottom of the Falcon, which I never understood because that means that one of them is upside down. Or are they? I've never understood how the Millennium Falcon worked. In according that way. to according to the Lego system, one is up and one is down, and they're both shooting. Okay. Yeah, according to the Legos, there's a turret at the top that's shooting, and there's a turret at the bottom that's shooting. Okay. Because if you look at the way it's schematically set up, when they're facing the window, the corridor is behind them. That's supposed to be a ladder going up. Yeah. So what it would be is they'd be yelling and then look like they'd be yelling backwards, but then it, the sound would be traveling up. Yeah. So they're still turning back. They can't turn up this way. So they're turning back and yelling up. Yeah. Okay. Through the chute. Yeah. Because I always wondered about that. And also, you, you'd have to be strapped in if you were on the bottom one, right? Or the top one. Unless there's no gravity on it. Because ships go yeah. around and around. Wait, what? The Millennium Falcon goes around and around? Good. Aren't we all? <laughs> we all. Aren't we all? Um, <laughs> let's see. We're at, uh, Han starts to boast to Leia about his amazing abilities during her rescue. She insists that the Empire let them escape in order to track them to the rebel base. Han is doubtful of that, and as she explains to Han that R2 is carrying the readouts to the Death Star. She has high hopes that when the data is analyzed, the weakness can be found. Luke asks Han if he's interested in the princess, and Han balks at the idea, which pleases Luke since he has a thing for her. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's going to get a surprise. Back aboard the station, Leia's fears are confirmed as Vader and Tarkin discuss their plan to track the Falcon to the hidden rebel base. The Falcon makes it to the base located on the fourth moon of the gas giant Yavin Prime. Is it Yavin or Yavin? I've always said Yavin. Okay. Yavin. Yavin? <laughs> Yay, Vine. After That's R2's it. data is analyzed, it is determined that the Death Star does indeed have a weakness that can be exploited. A small exhaust port not protected by any shielding through which a well-placed proton torpedo could reach the main reactor and destroy the station. Hmm, I wonder if somebody's father put that there. Hmm. Hmm. Guess we'll find out in the book Rogue One Catalyst, which is out today. It's amazing. Wow, what a plug. It is, it, is, it is my second favorite Star Wars book that's come out so far. The, Rebel Com- the port is situated in a narrow trench protected by turbo lasers. The Rebel Commander, General Dodonna, theorizes that since the array is designed to repel large-scale assaults from capital ships, it could easily be outmaneuvered by smaller and faster snub fighters. 
which is strange because eventually they're all dead. Yep. A plan is devised in which a squadron of Y-Wing assault bombers, Gold Squadron, will skim the trench. A second squadron, Red Squadron, comprised of the faster, more maneuverable X-Wing snub fighters, will attempt to draw enemy fire away from the bombers. Luke will be an X-Winger. Yay! Call sign Red 5. Fellow pilot Wedge Antilles is skeptical about succeeding, but Luke is confident because he shot animals in his desert. There you go. Yeah. While things are shooting at you and people are dying and... (laughs) Biggs, where are you? Yeah. Uh, It is cool to see, though, that when he's doing that trench run, he's got Wedge on one side and his buddy on the other. Yeah. It's like, oh, they're all con- we're all together again. Big big star collider. Yeah. yeah. Now yep. you, you all do you all know that Wedge is Ewan McGregor's uncle. Mm-hmm. See? I'm learning stuff this week. <laughs> yeah. You all might have actually talked about it last week. I did we? We may have. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Uh it's the, the rebels set out to attack the Death Star just as the station enters the Yavin system. The Death Star will have to orbit to Yavin's far side in order to have a shot at the moon on which the base is located, even though it could blow up Yavin and probably take out the moon in mere seconds. The, the approximately 30 rebel fighters have less than 30 minutes to fly to the station and destroy it. So they're delivering a pizza. Unless it takes longer for it to recharge. We don't know how long it takes to recharge between blasts. That is true. We don't know how long. But we can assume that's what charged it, long enough because they blew up Alderaan a while ago. But the point is, they blow up the moon. Mm-hmm. And then how long do they have to wait just staring at it when it may be shorter to, to go around the moon and just shoot it once without having to wait for it to recharge. Well, I was thinking that if they blew up the gas giant, then the debris would destroy that planet anyway. That's true. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe it's like they can't, can't maybe if it goes through gas it repels. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Boyd. Boyd. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> As Luke heads to the hangar, he's reunited with Biggs Darklighter, who used to fly with Luke on Tatooine. Biggs congratulates him for making it off of Tatooine and tells him that the coming battle will be just like old times. Because there were a lot of battles in <laughs> Tatooine. What kind of old desert. times is he talking about? <laughs> 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 it's so dumb. <laughs> Having apparently collected the balance of his 17,000 credits, does he call them credits yet? Nope. Nope. For delivering the plans for the rebellion, Han refuses to join the fight, stating that his reward will be useless if he's killed, and that he would rather take his money and go pay off his debts. Which, to be honest with you, I don't that blame him. That makes sense, yeah. Luke is disappointed, but boards his fighter and takes off with R2, loaded in the rear of the fighter to provide technical assistance. Upon departure, he hears what he sounds what sounds like Obi-Wan's voice speaking to him, saying, The Force will be with, with you. you. He quickly yeah. dismisses it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> this is... Now, R2-D2 has flown with... Anakin, he's flown with Obi-Wan, he's flown with Luke. Yep. So wouldn't this be a good time for R2 to say something about, hey, you know what? Last time I was in the seat. <laughs> I was with your daddy. I was with your pop. And let me tell you what happened. He was pretty badass <laughs> yeah. as he killed Jedi. You got some big shoes to fill, kid. <laughs> um, both squadrons approach the Death Star and Wedge briefly marvels at size before Captain Dreyas cuts off on the idle chattel chatter and orders the squadrons to attack speed. Who is your who is your favorite fighter? Patrick said. <laughs> I figured he would. He's already the only fat guy in the show besides Jabba. Why the fuck do they have to kill him or name him Porkins and then kill him right <laughs> off? <laughs> I thought that was great when he said that to me. <laughs> He's the only other fat guy other than Jabba. They name him Porkins, and then they kill him right off. Now, there is a screenshot of Rogue One where yeah. they show Jin Erso and 
whoever the her her buddy her buddy is, walking uh-huh. out of a hangar, and you see some rebels behind them. And of the rebels, there is a fat one running with the squadron. And people have sur- surmised that that could be a young Porkins. Is that Porkins? I hope it is. <laughs> Give me some Jack Porkins, please. <laughs> They're, they, they, they came at us from behind. behind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Red Squadron initiates a strafing run on the station's surface to divert attention from the bombers, and Luke makes a run that de- detonates a mammoth fire within part of the Death Star. A fire so large his own ship suffers minor burns, along with R2. Because R2 lo- looks like shit at the end. I, I think I lost R2. Man, that droid's gone through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he must have like his own like little... Cat, his cat own shop lives. full of everything. Yeah. Uh, yet, you know, at some point he must have said, "You know what? I don't need the rocket arms." Nope. Let's I, get rid of those. Yeah. That that was fun. I'm a little old now. Can't don't need can't it. fly the way I used to. Um, when Vader is informed that the turbo lasers are having trouble targeting the small rebel ships, he orders fighters led by Black Squadron, an elite Tie Fighter squadron, to engage the X-wings individually. In short order, six Tie Fighters join the battle, soon followed by others, and Red Squadron scrambles to keep them away from the trenches. The captain warns a wingman of an attacking Tie Fighter, but the X-wing is immediately shot down before Biggs himself comes under attack. Luke swings behind the attacker and shoots him down. Yay! This is a cool scene. I love the whole Death Star scene. Oh, I do too. And what I love most is that. Although the stormtroopers can't shoot with a gun, they're pretty good with their uh, TIE fighters. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. They hit everything with a TIE fighter. Yeah. That, that's, that's the danger for the stormtroopers right there is that they can fly. Yep. Yes. Vader notices a Y-wing group breaking away from the primary attack, and he recruits two Black Squadron pilots to escort him as he boards his personal TIE fighter to engage the bombers. Now, did you know that those two had names? No. One is Mauler. And the other one is like Bomb Steady or something. It was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay. Before- Rock Steady and Igor? Or- Rock Steady and Bebop. Bebop, yeah. Before this command group launches, the sky battle rages on, and Luke himself comes under attack. Wedge rescues him, uh, just as Gold Squadron commenced the attack into the trenches. Vader and his two wingmen easily outmaneuver the Y-Wings, methodically dispatching them one by one until Gold Squadron is completely destroyed. And this is the Darth Vader we like to see flying. Yep. You know, just he I'm, takes out everybody. I, and it reminded me of the first episode of second season. Yep. When, when you he, watched him just take out an entire crew and you're like, damn, he's still, he still got it. All of Phoenix Squadron. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So basically, we'll just make this easy. They fight, fight, fight. They die, die, die. Luke is the only one left. Yep. Fair enough. Yep. All right. Fair. Luke's the only one left and he turns on his targeting computer and Obi-Wan says, dude, no, turn it off. You, you got this. Use, Use the, force. the force. Which I'm sorry. This is a little bit of a a beef I have with it, and that is if this is if he's never used this force before. You're asking a lot from him the first time. Not to mention the stakes are a little high here. Start with something small. Move, move the move the M Ms across the table. Yeah, he, we've ne- we've never seen him do any movement whatsoever. And the way the proton torpedoes go, they go this, and then they go down all of a sudden. So is it a vacuum <laughs> shaft? Oh, or did he go? Now go down. Maybe. Maybe no. he's just thinking that on the ship earlier when he was deflecting the bullets, he overthinks everything so much that yeah. he knew that he would. I know Jedi's can understand things, so maybe he knew ahead of time that if he used the targeting device, that he would just botch it. Yeah, well, and he goes to sh- he goes to take care of it, but Darth Vader is on his ass, and then heroically, Big dies. Biggs dies. Biggs dies. Wedge dies. No, no, no Wedge gets Wedge away. clears away. Otherwise, who the hell were we I reading know. about in in <laughs> aftermath? <laughs> Wedge clears away, and Darth Vader is about to blow this guy apart. 
Blows by, blow apart dark. Luke. The force is strong with this one. Yes, unusually I still, strong. I still can't figure out that he's my fucking kid. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's just going back and forth like this. I'm like, all right. Do, I, do, do, like, do, I can do that do, on a video game with a controller. Yep. Um, and then, who comes out of nowhere? Woohoo! <laughs> Take it away, kid. You're clear. Yes. Uh, Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. He, uh, yeah, he blows up the Death Star. Millions of people die. No one gives a fuck again. Nope. So we've lost Alderaan people. We've lost Death Star people. Uh, I believe they said the casualty count on this, like, on a, it was like two million. Huh. That's <laughs> not a lot of people on Alderaan. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> When the rebels reach the base, Luke is clearly delighted that Han returned to him. Leia is thrilled to see both of her friends alive. Everyone's going bat crazy that the Death Star has been destroyed. R2 is pulled from Luke's ship and is clearly damaged from Vader's gunfire, which is funny because Anakin and R2 were so close just 20 years ago. C-3PO is concerned but is reassured that he can be repaired. Later, an award ceremony is held in a huge hall. Hundreds of rebel soldiers, officers, and pilots are present. A door at the rear of the hall opens to reveal Luke, Han, and Chewbacca. They walk down the aisle to where Leia awaits, along with several rebel leaders and dignitaries. Also present are a freshly polished C-3PO and a shiny R2-D2. Luke and Han are awarded medals for bravery by a smiling Princess Leia. Chewbacca doesn't get shit. And the hall erupts into thunderous applause by Chewie's victory yell. The end. Was it a victory yell, or was he what saying, Where the fuck's my medal? <laughs> Well, and then we find out, like, I think it was at the MTV Awards, they, Carrie Fisher came out and gave him his medal. Yeah. At the MTV Awards. That's amazing. And then they wrote it into canon, actually, that he has one. Yeah. So, I don't know. Souls. I know. People have a problem with Wookiees. Did anybody else notice that both Mark Hamill and... Uh, Harrison Ford, I'm pretty much are staring right down her cleavage. Whatever she I is. know I was. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like when you watch, you're like, yeah, there's only one thing they can be looking at. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, she does well. And it's still, <laughs> it's sister. It's just weird. He doesn't know yet. You don't know. Yeah, he doesn't know yet. Um, okay. Report yeah. card. What do you give this movie? This one's a B, pl- uh, B, solid B for me. Solid B. Solid B. All right. Joel? Growing up, this was a C. Watching it now, I give it an A minus. B plus. Wow. A minus. Mine's this, a solid B, both growing up and now. My, my opinion does, hasn't changed. I still think it's a solid B. This uh, is the one that it can stand alone if you need it to. There's some unanswered questions with Vader at the end, but it stands alone. You don't need any other movies to enjoy it. Yeah. You now don't it's, have to. It's interesting that you say that because Patrick gave one last comment and it was his overall thing. And he said, I'm really glad they made more movies because as a standalone, this one was confusing for me. It had allusions to past storylines and it had an empty feeling at the end. What is the Empire? What is this resistance really for? And why do we care about the Senate? As an adult watching this now, I'm more aware of the gaps in presentation and my standards for storytelling are obviously higher. But A New Hope is still that special nostalgic movie that can't be viewed unless it's through the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia. So that's why it was interesting to hear you say like it could still be standalone. He clearly thinks, uh-uh, 
Like, you can't watch. And I have to kind of believe, because one of the things that we said we weren't going to go over is, well, what's next? Like, you had On to Empire. Yeah, I can't watch episode four by myself. Yeah. I have to go on to the next one, which is ironic, because as a kid, it was the only one I watched. I didn't even watch the other two. I just watched it over and over. Mm. Now, like, I feel like I need to... I need to go to at least Jedi. I don't need to watch five. I could skip five. Yeah, you don't like five, do you? I don't. I'll yeah. say, it scares me. I will say it is a better movie with the extras. Okay. I will say it's a better movie. What? And, and other ones make it better. What Can I ask you, what, what exactly in Empire is it that creeps you out? Because I I, I'm trying to figure it out. Is it the day of a scene and how weird I, that is? I don't or? know what it is, and I think it may just be like I, I instantly go into it with feelings as a kid of mm-hmm. it's sad Everything's sad and everything ends sucky. Yeah. And I don't want to watch a movie that's going to make me feel sad at the end. Which is why when you watch Star Wars, you watch Empire right away and then you're like, I gotta put Return of the Jedi in it. I need my conclusion. Yeah. It is a it is a series that that threesome of movies is one that if you watch one, you have to watch them all. Yeah. Uh it was hard for me not to put Empire in. I give it a C. Uh, because in the overall storyline, there is too much that doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, there's too many little and de- Star Wars is about the details because if you're building a mythology the details are what matter and the details don't line up with what happened in 1, 2, and 3 and if those are the movies that Lucas said that he truly wanted to make then I think Lucas himself if he's still at his druthers would remake Star Wars he would um, and align it up to Empire and Jedi because those ones still fit pretty well there's yeah, only you don't one or two things much. in those uh, so I gave it a C. So C, a B plus, B, B, and an B. A minus. So we're at a B. Yeah, it's a B. Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four or five star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and SoundJ Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>